This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. If you read on, Matthew 6.33 says, And seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Amen. Okay, we're we're busy with this series, and um, tonight we're going to specifically pray for leaders and people that's been appointed as leaders in the church, and we're going to talk a bit about that because um, a lot of people think that the kingdom is a lone ranger type of thing. It's me and Jesus, and that's great. I have relationship with him, and the church can never save you. People can never save you. People cannot give to you what Jesus has given to us. You're only righteous. I'm only righteous because of him. And there's nothing in the kingdom that you can earn. Did you know that? The, the Christian walk is not easy, but there's absolutely nothing that you and I deserve or that we can earn through praying more, for interceding more, or giving more, or becoming a more mature Christian, or going to church more. There's nothing you can earn when it comes to God because God is already given his son and his righteousness. So everything in the Christian life, and that's why Christianity differs radically from any other religion, is it says God has already given. God has given his best. And now you and I need to learn to receive and to live in it. Doesn't mean it's an easy life. Doesn't mean it's just going to be like, hey, pineapple drinks with Jesus. It simply means, hey, As I'm, whatever I'm doing is a response of worship to what he's already done. And that's why thankfulness is at the center of true Christianity. But nothing, there's nothing you can earn. Our our culture says, do work harder, climb the corporate ladder. God says, hey, I've called you to this life of discipleship. So just to recap the past couple of weeks, we looked at being radically rooted. Colossians 2 verse 6 and 7 says, As therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding it with thanksgiving. Then we looked at the radical call to self-denial, the radical call to obedience, the call to seek first the kingdom. The radical is that little root that roots into the ground and um, that is supposed to be normal Christianity. Sometimes people like say, hey, look at this miracle. There's a miracle, you know. Let's write a book about it. Let's make a TV program. But miracles should be the ordinary everyday life of a believer. I mean, if you read scripture, it's like, hey, small miracles, big miracles, a miracle is a miracle. And then we looked last week at a radical real community that God helps us to live in that community and that there's going to be a lot of brokenness. There's going to be a lot of People that need a hospital. That's why the church is not a hotel. It's a hospital for the broken. (laughs) It's people that are not together. It's people that are figuring this thing out with God as we're worshiping God. And that's why church should be open for everyone. Not for the perfect, not for the together and then you come and you bring your... No, no, it's just people that are vulnerable, broken, seeking the Lord. And opening to say, hey, Lord, we want to know you. We've got a great hunger, uh, authentic, real cry out to God. And that's where, where we finished off last week. And so this evening, we're going to talk about becoming a laborer or a disciple maker. 
And so when, when you and I begin to walk into this place of getting to know God, then God begins to do stuff in our lives. But the challenge with our culture is that we have a culture of consumerism, individualism. We're very distracted and we're very busy. But many times we are so busy that we're busy with the stuff we should not be busy with. And I'm not saying, oh, yeah, the pastor said, now I can stop my studies. Hallelujah. I've got a word from the Lord. Just read my Bible. Yeah. Read your Bible, but also study. Okay. You need to know the season that you're in. But consumerism is killing this life, this ability to multiply and to discover this root, this seed that has been rooted in the ground. What is the purpose? Is to reproduce. Why is that tree there? Why is that seed there is so, hey, I, I, I want to produce, I want to multiply so that many others can take part of my life. But consumerism, consumerism says, just, just get it for yourself, just, just it's about you, it's just like, hey, and, and I'm going to try to make it on my own, and as long as I'm just a good fighter, whoever gets out there, hallelujah, that's great, you know. So we get a lot of the church that looks just like the world, but consumerism will always say this one thing, you can never be filled. Consumerism makes you more empty, while God says, if you come to me, I'm going to fill you. Consumerism says that you need more, you know. Have you ever walked here in the, in the mall? It just says, buy me, buy me. There's this subtle music that they play. Buy me, buy more, buy me, buy more. It's called retail therapy, ladies, okay. And some of the men, you know, I, I just need this. If I can just have that, I'm going to be fulfilled. That's what advertising is about. And so a lot of us wake up every day and we want to get more busy with our phones. We want to, we, we are so, you know, we, we are so indoctrinated by this world. You know, in Silicon Valley, they, uh, one of the top jobs today, it seems like, are attention engineers. They are masters at trying to grab your attention. Because the more clicks they get, the more likes they get, the more scrolls they get, the more money they make. So they are going to outmaster you because they've been paid millions of dollars to be attention engineers. So everything is designed to say, get this, get a bit more. It's, you're never going to be fulfilled because why they want to make money out of us. And if no, nobody's ever told you that, that's how the world works. There's no free lunch, I mean. Free dinner, free, you know. It will come at a cost. And so you must know that there's a massive thing that comes to steal the very basics of what God has given you. And that's the ability to what God has given you to reprodu reproduce it, to give it out, to, to multiply it. And so... One thing that has been lost to the church as a whole is, is impartation. It's the ability to say, hey, what, what I have, I'm, I'm going to learn to give it away. And so we see these beautiful pictures of Peter and John and these guys that would walk up to the temple. And there's a beggar sitting at the gate and the, guy, the beggar says, hey, you know, let's talk about giving me some money. And then Peter says, well, money we don't have, but we, what we do have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then people get healed like that. 
We see uh, this dynamic of shadows being cast on people and people stand up and being healed. Because the first church realized what they do have and it had nothing to do with money. It had to do with being, receiving that importation from the Lord and being sent and commissioned by God. And this is what we're going to talk about. So Luke, Luke chapter 10, we all have heard this scripture. Luke chapter 10, Matthew 10, there's this, this Jesus commissioning people to go. Now when I got saved, I was very clueless. Many of you have heard this story, but you know, there was, I went to this teacher and I said to him, the Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that I serve is not the same Jesus. And so... I went on my knees on the 4th of April, 1989. How many of you were not born then? Okay, most of you, okay? So you were not there, so just believe me. Okay, so but anyway, so I went and I said, hey, the Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that I serve is not the same Jesus. And then I gave my heart to the Lord. And for two years after that, this teacher would see things in me that I could not see in myself. And he would take us on weekends away, just the 14 guys of, our, you know, just going and we would camp out and do stuff together. And then he would say, hey, you're going to go into the full-time ministry. And I thought like, full-time ministry? What is that, you know? I, I knew like half-time, soccer game, half-time, full-time. Oh, I'm going to run onto the field when, it's, when, the, when the final whistle has blown and then I'm going to preach to people. That's what I thought full-time ministry was, you know? I was so clueless. And then sometimes I got so discouraged and then he would just share these testimonies and he would say, hey, the Lord told me I must cancel my plans for tomorrow, fly up to Joburg. I haven't got a ticket or anything, but you know what? That's what the Lord said and I must go and minister there. And I thought like, oh, this man is crazy. You know, where does he come from? Nine o'clock that night, he'll get a phone call. You know, he had one of these big small cell phones that looked like a brick, you know, these like these huge ones. You, you don't know what I'm talking about, eh? It was like this huge stuff. There was a Nokia 3310. Ask your grandfather, okay? Ask your mother, if they're over 50, a Nokia 3310. You could, you could use it as a defense mechanism, you know? It was like every people like carry this big cell phones. It was literally like this. Hey, Chris, you remember? Did you have one of them? Yeah, how big was it? Like a brick, eh? It was, it was literally like a brick. You won't believe it, okay? That's why most people over 40 walk like this, you know? They had to carry that big thing. But in any case, so... So he got this phone call, 9 o'clock, it was like this big company in, in, in Joburg and said to him, hey, the guy who must do the bursary stuff tomorrow has cancelled, won't you fly up tomorrow morning at 6? He got into the plane, flew up, walked in, there were five directors of this big company sitting there, two hours of interviews, he would walk in and he would say to them, um, do you know what, I don't want your bursary, but I do want to tell you what you need, you need Jesus. And then he led all four of them to the Lord because he had a word of knowledge for each one of them, told them what was happening in their lives. Eventually, those four directors of this massive big mining company fell on their faces, cried out to God, repented, gave their hearts to the Lord. Seven o'clock that evening, he flew back on his plane and nine o'clock he was sitting there and says, let me tell you what God has done. And I thought, you are crazy, but I want that, you know? And for two years, this guy just inputted into our lives and and many of us, many years later, 30 years later, we're still following, we're still running on the importation we have received. But you know, for many people, because of this individualism, all this nonsense, people don't know the, the value of living in relationship with each other. The ability that we have to impart to other people, it's just so amazing. And that's why many people stay out of church, because they think like, oh, I don't want to go to church because do you know what? Don't have time for that or whatever, but 
When I got to the Lord, I didn't miss church because I said, Lord, I don't want to miss what you have. And it's not about this event. It's just simply because I, I want you to shape through the other people around me whose giftings are different. I want you to shape me. I want, I want that impartation, but in a place where I can be trusting people. Because if you watch those YouTube clips, do you know what? You're also going to receive an impartation. When you look at that stuff and the worldly music and the stuff, it's, it's, it does something to your soul. Music is very powerful. So you listen to that grunge music, you know, and you think like, wow, how does these people vomit over the place? But wait, no, guys, it feels like, that's, I don't know, sorry if you're listening to, have you heard grunge? Apparently there's Christian grunge as well, it goes like, I think like, what? You know? And there's Christian, uh, has anybody heard grunge? I thought like, what happened to you, you know, did, did you, somebody die in your life or... Your stomach really troubled or whatever, you know? I think like, what? You know, I had a funny moment this week. You know, we were climbing ropes here with this pastor. And we're 20 meters up in the air. We need to go around. And then the pastor says, I've got stomach problems. Help. After 10 minutes, I smelled something. It was quite awkward, but in any case. So, stop interrupting me. Where was I? Oh, okay, grunge music. So... But when you listen to that stuff, it's not, it's not just stuff. It's a lot of these things are conditioned to make you think in a certain way. And so that's how the world influences us. And so in Luke 10, when Jesus sends out, he says, after these things, the Lord appointed, say appointed, 70 others also, and sent them, say sent them, two by two, not, not one by one. When God sends you on a mission, it's always two by two. That's why marriage is so powerful or destructive. Two by two. Before his face. Say before his face. Because see, if, if, if he just say, hey, out there, you are commissioned. But when I look up to you and I say, see, Bass. Sean, God has appointed you. Go. Yoni, go. Are you allowed to hold hands in church? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm just checking. I'm Red tomato. They, they, they are not vibing, they are actually dating. Okay, but so, going out, okay? But we sent you, okay? So, <laughs> you're enjoying this too much. You're enjoying this too much. Okay, don't say no, yes. But imagine this, eh? I'm going to Danny and I say, Danny, do you know, there's, there's, there's a, you need to go. There's, there's something God wants you to do. There's a, Chris, it's very different than just like receiving something from, on a piece of paper because you've, if somebody looks you in the eyes, looks you in the face and says, I've appointed you, it's your task. You go for it. There's an impartation that comes with it. There's a, there's a release. And a lot of Christians have never received that commissioning from God. And this is why it's so powerful. He says, into every place where he himself was about to go, Jesus always follows up his commission. 
Jesus always there. He says, he didn't send them just like, hey, randomly, you, go see. Um, have you ever seen that Shrek movie? How many of you know what Shrek is? Okay, some of you have seen Shrek, hallelujah, right, right decade. But so, there's this Lord Farquhar. Can you remember that? Okay. So they're going to send this army into this world, and Lord Farquhar stands there on his... Is it Farquhar? I can't remember. It sounds, it sounds in any case. It sounds like. So he stands there on his palace, and then the army is standing there and says, Some of you are going to die. And it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make, you know? You think like, okay, that encourages us, you know? But so, Jesus doesn't do that, you know? When he's commissioned, when he's sending you, when he's releasing you, it's like he says, lo, I'll be with you. It's a partnership with him. It's not a mission into the unknown. And oh, let's try to impress Jesus. He's following up his ministry. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Turn to your neighbor and say, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Great stuff. So just a couple of scriptures to put it in context. We, we see it actually all over scripture. All over scripture, there's a basic foundation, which is called the faith foundations, the doctrines of baptisms. But Hebrews chapter 6, there at the bottom, just going to the next slide. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, the one on the right-hand side, right at the bottom, talks about the basic foundations of the faith. There's faith foundations, doctrines of baptisms, because there's a baptism in water, baptism in fire, baptism in the Holy Spirit, different baptisms. And then in the middle of it, it says, one of the basics of the Christian faith is the laying on of hands. It's the ability to release people into God's given gift for their lives or to release them, to impart something to them spiritually. And that's why... I would many times fight with you to say, don't just listen to those preachers on the YouTube clips. Don't just, don't just let somebody impart stuff to you where you don't know the fruit of that person's life. They can have the best sermon, but they, their life may not be in order. Now I'm going to t- tell you a very personal, personal story, but one day somebody, we were at a conference and this one guy walked up. And he laid hands on me, and I didn't know him from anywhere, and he just prayed. And from that night, I had lustful dreams for two weeks that I could not believe. And I said, God, what is going on? I, I don't know what's going on. This is not natural. And then the Lord started to show me, well, hey, this guy actually was struggling with lustful stuff. And it came out three weeks later. This guy was in very, very, very bad stuff. Why? Because there's a spiritual importation that comes. And that's why I tell it very straight with you, but you'll always see us when, when see us, you know, you'll see us walk down here, but um, when you come to church, it's when we make an altar call and allow people to pray over you, we make sure it's leaders, people whose lives are in order and they are fruit of their lives. Because we're not going to allow anybody to pray for somebody else if there's, you're just from out there and we don't know you. I've had people pray over me and I said, oh, no. So be careful what you receive because this is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 9 verse 17, you know, Saul goes on this road to Damascus and he meets Jesus. It's amazing. He falls from his horse, 
sees the light. His life changes radically. And all Jesus says to him is, go to the street called Straight, and there you'll find my next instruction. God operates within his family. And so in Acts 9, verse 17, there's, there's this prophet Ananias that comes. It says, Ananias went his way and entered the house because now he came to this house where God instructed Saul to go. Why, why didn't Jesus just lay hands on him and send him? Because Jesus wants you to understand that before you can be released, before you can walk in the fullness of God, there's other people that is going to help you to get there. There's other people that's going to help you to become a disciple and to make other disciples. That's why church is so valuable. That's why it's not just an event. It's about our relationships that we work together and pray for each other and release each other. And so he entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Now, now this is a crazy story because imagine you are the prophet, Ananias. The Lord, the Holy Spirit says to you, go to that house and wait there. And you know what? Saul is going to be there. The guy who kills all the Christians, that, you know, and, 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 and you can choose whether you're going to be lunch or dinner or, you know, when, when you want to die, you know. It's, it's not just like this, oh, prophet, you know, we get all these prophets that run around these days and say, prophet, apostle. And I think, yeah, yeah, do you know the Old Testament? If you're a prophet and you prophesied and it was wrong, they killed you, they stoned you. So don't just be quick to say I'm a prophet or an apostle, you know. Sometimes we get titles too quickly. Because there's a responsibility that comes with that title. Don't be too quick. But it says, here he comes and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus doesn't just fill him with the Holy Spirit and says, there you go. And then we see this beautiful picture. We think that probably 13, 14 years from when he met Jesus, falling from the horse, Saul that became Paul. Eventually, he has to go up to Jerusalem. We don't know what happened in all of those years, but a group of people came around Saul and they discipled him. They put him in the faith. He had many encounters with God. And eventually Barnabas, the son of encouragement, because he was an encourager, he took him and took him to the Jerusalem council where James and John and a lot of these guys were. Because they were afraid. They said, like, we heard Saul's life change around, but he was the guy who killed all the Christians. So, so this is a tense situation, you know. But Barnabas eventually took him up and then introduced him to the Jerusalem council. From there, he was sent to Antioch. And from Antioch, which was his sending church, Paul started on these three massive missionary journeys all across the world. But every time he would come back to Antioch, and there were elders and people that commissioned him and blessed him and looked after his spiritual life. So it wasn't just like Paul was this like amazing guy on his own mission and, you know, in the prison and Silas and worshiping God. There was such an interaction of the church coming together and people that supported him because if there was no Barnabas, Saul would have never reached Jerusalem and the church would have never released him. You need a Barnabas in your life. You need an Ananias in your life. To be able to get where God is. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? This isn't a lone ranger show. But Ananias says to him, hey, go for this. Listen to how Paul writes to Timothy. He says, let no one despise your youth, Timothy, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So this is like Paul, a spiritual father to Timothy. He's writing to him, he says, don't despise your youth. 
Other people are saying all that stuff, but I want to encourage you. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. So there was a moment when the elders of the church came around Timothy and they laid hands on him and he was released in ministry. Isn't that beautiful? And he says, don't, don't, you know, don't neglect that gift. Don't despise your youth. Neglect means to let it drift away. So he was reminding him he had this relationship with him, but there was a release. We can see the same in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. It says, I remind you to stir up the gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands. We see in the book of Acts so many times where the Hellenists and the, the Greeks, there were some widows that didn't have a lot of food. And so the apostles, they were busy like reading in the word, but they neglected the giving out of the food for the widows. And then what happened is Philip and Prochorus and a lot of these guys, the Bible says they were laid hands on, they were set apart because they had to serve tables. They had to like give out food. And the one requirement that they had is they had to be full of the Holy Spirit. Wow. No, 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 no. Choose the ones that are very spiritual to just like, hey, pray at the door for people. But everything we do is spiritual. So if you are an usher at the door, if you're a sound man, or if you're Tosca sitting up there, or Daniel at the back there, or everything you do, God requires spiritual people. Because it's so beautiful when the body of Christ comes together. When we understand how spiritual dynamics work. And so there are so many examples. So after these guys were set apart in the book of Acts to give tables and give the food at the tables and the apostles were praying, the Bible says suddenly a great revival came. Because there was no competition. I told you the story when we were in Indonesia. Are you all still with me? Wave at me if you're with me. I'm going to give you five more minutes. Raise your hand. 5, 10, 15, 20, oh, lots. Okay, so I have lots of time. But when we were in Indonesia, it was so beautiful. We went there to Suzette Hutton's ministries. And the most exciting moment for me was when I went to the kitchen. And I realized that the ladies working in the kitchen are just as much spiritful as the lady preaching on the platform or the big intercessors behind the platform. And this one woman, he couldn't speak English, but he was just driving us. I was just, I was just thinking, like, just stay on the road, stay on the road. But for 30 minutes, once he opened up his mouth, he started to, to pray and intercede. And I felt it's like heaven opening up. And I thought, like, you're just a driver. But I realized, like, wow, God can use this ministry because everyone understands the reaper is just as important as the sower. One isn't more spiritual than the other. And scripture actually says that we will receive the same reward. Some will sow and some will reap. Sometimes you realize like, hey, I've, I've been praying for you for 10 years. And then suddenly, woo, something changes and you realize like, hey, sowing, sowing, sowing. Reaping, reaping, reaping. But that's so beautiful when we begin to understand that we are here to complement each other. We're here to... Not compete with each other. But see what consumerism and individualism, do, individualism does. It means like, oh, what if God doesn't recognize me? What if, what if it doesn't happen in my life? What if God doesn't use me? So what if God doesn't use me? What if God doesn't use Shofar? What if God decides, hey, he wants to bless the Baptist church and starts revival there? Will we really rejoice? No, it must be Shofar, because Shofar has got a Hebrew name. <laughs> it was 
used to call the prophets to come together and the army together and to announce that the king is coming. Baptist Shofar. It just sounds more spiritual. But let me tell you, if God decides to use the Baptist church, then we go with it. Why? Because if one gets a breakthrough in the kingdom, everyone gets a breakthrough. Hallelujah. There's no competition. I'm not talking about people that are not preaching the gospel because there are also churches in Stellenbosch that have become so liberal that they don't preach the gospel anymore. They've walked away from Jesus long ago. But I'm talking about people that are in basis, evangelical, that believes Jesus was born of a virgin, that he rose from the dead, and that he's coming back. There's some, many people that don't believe that anymore. Sure. So in Isaiah chapter 6, you can go and read it because we're going to finish now and we're going to pray for people. In the year that King Uzziah died, we saw this beautiful scripture and Corne Becker preached on this. So I'm not going to preach on it again. There were certain things that changed in the season that changed with the king that died because this king was just like really familiar with God and he, in a way, didn't respect God. But then we see this beautiful picture of Isaiah encountered God. And at the end of this picture... After God cleansed him from his culture, from his unclean lips, then he says, hey, God asks this question, who, who can I send? And then his eyes says, yeah, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me, use me. And it's so beautiful when you and I begin to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm going to be very honest with you, but I truly believe it that me standing here tonight, I'm not God's first choice to do what I'm doing tonight. Somebody else got that call, but they said no for that. But I want to say, God, here I am. Send me. What excuse have you got? I couldn't speak in front of two people. And that included myself. And there's three of me, I, me, and myself, you know, so that gets very confusing. I mean, so I didn't like speaking to people because I stuttered. But I said, God, I've tasted of that. And I remember that same teacher came into my life and says, you're going to preach in different nations. You're going to go to different nations. And I see a sea of young people's faces in front of your eyes. And I think like, Lord, here I am 30 years later, and it's still happening because of your faithfulness and because of your word. Because somebody gave me that word. Somebody believed. Somebody imparted it. And so what I'm doing here and what we're doing here is we're just saying, hey, go for it. Let God do the same in your life. Don't despise your youth. Dream big. Live fully for Jesus, but don't do it alone. You're not going to make it very far if you try to do it on your own. And so God raises up people with different giftings, different stuff. You know, here's Steve, a lecturer at the university, and he wants to make a difference in the water industry and change Africa. He says, Steve, go for it. Here's Vilio sitting, nine languages. Oh, no. I struggle with two. I think, hallelujah. Here's Chris, 
building this massive thing there. The other day I went there, oh, it was last year, was it last year or the year before that? Yeah? <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, you know? <laughs> I must be honest, you know, they're doing a little laundry in Cape Town. So I'm, I'm thinking like laundry, laundromat, but let me go and visit them at their business, you know? Because I, I thought, like, really, it's this little laundromat with five washing machines and you throw in the coins and you have five. I walk in there, one of the machines is probably as big as this whole area, you know? There's, like, this factory, the dream that God has given them with water purification and stuff. And you think, like, yeah, because God gave him, before the drought, gave him a word, purify the water. What, is that the right word? You know? So he built this whole thing at the back of his factory, Long before the drought came, and he was ready when the drought came, because they, how much tons of stuff do you do every day? A ton an hour. A ton of washing for all the hotels. Some of us can't even spell ton, I, I mean, you know? <laughs> I was thinking, how do you spell ton? T-U-N, T-O-N, I couldn't remember, but in any case, it's just a lot of washing, Okay. <laughs> Not tang, tan, tan, a ton of washing, okay? And so I'm walking into that factory and I'm, and I'm just amazed. I'm thinking like, hallelujah. The Holy Spirit also wants to impart that to him when he's in his business. But see, when we become dualistic, it means like my spiritual life is just what I do on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I'm not allowing God to impart stuff to me when I'm working. So I was so inspired when I walked into their factory. Here's Danny, a teacher. And he tells me the stories of what he's doing at his school. Cadles River, eh? Where do you give school now? Huh? Somerset West now. Same place. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, wow. If the people of God begin to realize what we have received from God and the ability to live in that space with the Holy Spirit that we've been commissioned to study. We've been commissioned to go and work. We've been commissioned by God. We've been sent into this world. We're ambassadors for Jesus. And that means that you and I become a laborer wherever we are. And even when it seems very natural, that is what God has given you to become a blessing to the people around you. That's why Jesus said the laborers are few. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few because if we switch off God tomorrow morning, we're in trouble. And that's what the world does and individualism does, you know. It's like, hey, I'm at church. But you know what? Tomorrow morning when I'm going to study, oh! Then Jesus isn't so on. Lights are dim. It's out. But Sunday night, whoo! Wednesday night, whoo! We've got a party, you know. But we become religious around God. And don't think because we are charismatic that we are not religious. Sometimes it's just a nice, you know, we think like, oh, look at those, those more reformed type of people. They are, not reli- they are very religious. But we've got a band. We're not religious. No, no, we just have a lot of icing on our cake with candles. Where am I going? Oh, yeah, this is where, where we're going. Okay. So the power of importation, the power of becoming disciple makers is 
having every opportunity to say, Lord, I'm not going to be like, ooh, in a spiritual performance mode, but where I am, that's where God wants to use me to become a laborer. Because people are not going to come to church. Some do come because you force them or invite them 40 times and then they come, you know. And then they experience God. But most people out there are not going to come to church. But this isn't church. We are the church. This is just a part of the expression of church. But my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I have this amazing ability to take the Holy Spirit with me tomorrow morning and tonight. And wherever I go, the Holy Spirit goes with me. It's amazing. Chris, come here. Yeah, this is Chris. Your name is Chris. I realized that when you woke up this morning. Okay. So if Chris is the Holy Spirit, then it doesn't matter where I'm going. Don't be awkward now, Chris. Okay, let's just walk. Okay. Chris is good looking, eh? Yeah. But he's still at school. You're not allowed to date at school. Okay, but that's all right. That's what your PR youth pastor says. But wherever I go, the Holy Spirit is there with me. And it's amazing. I'm not alone. Wow. It's crazy. And I'm working with him. Okay, this is where you're supposed to tell me something, Chris. It's always good. This way. This way. Okay, great, great, great. Go back to the stage. But it's just amazing whenever, wherever I go there, the Holy Spirit is with me. I'm not, and he wants to tell me stuff during the day. He wants, he's like a person in my life. But if I just ignore him, say, hello, everyone out there. How are you all doing? You know, it's like, hey, I'm quenching the Holy Spirit. And it's quenching is just when you ignore him. But he's like a person. And God says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit so that my ministry can become universal. The most powerful tool we have is a person. It's the Holy Spirit in laboring. Thank you, Chris. Stop growing now. You're taller than me. Okay. But I'm not jealous or competing with you. Okay. Let's give Chris a uh, hand. Okay. One last thought. And see, because of all the hurt and all the stuff and especially in broken families the devil is conning a lot of us out of just spiritual authority because when you know your identity you begin to walk in obedience and you receive the impartation from jesus and from the people around you in a safe space then you begin to understand authority but today more than ever there's a generation that don't know submission to god to the lordship of jesus we struggle with any authority. We question any authority because, hey, we're these free vibes, you know. We don't want to submit. But one of the keys for Paul, which was Saul, for Timothy, was eldership, was leaders in the church, men of God that walked away and women of God that walked away that imparted to those people, which is so beautiful. And so one of the challenges and one of the protections church should give is that of leadership. God honors leaders. And one of the biggest things in church that brings 
A false anointing is a rebellion. When King Saul didn't honor God's command, the prophet Samuel walks into him and he says, your rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And it's a scary place because a lot of people don't know that because there's a rebellion thing and you've been growing up to fight on your own, there's this individual thing, I just need to survive, I need to do it on my own. Many times we begin to rebel and that's we always critical, negative, and especially when it comes to leadership. Some of you just, and I'm going to be very straight with you, is, is you feel so uncomfortable here. Why? Because you're not in control and there's leaders in the church and then because there's leaders there must be something wrong there, there must there must be a snake in the grass there must be this this church must steal money there's just because we are so negative about any institutions we don't trust especially in south africa we don't, we don't trust the government we don't trust the police we don't trust varsity and because of that breakdown of real proper authority many times people think they're doing stuff for God, but they're actually in rebellion because they've not learned this beautiful thing of submission, submitting to the will of God. And why can we, how can we submit? It's just simply because we can see the heart of God. We've seen the fruit. He's trustworthy. It's so easy to submit to God because he's not lording over us. He will never ask you to do something that he has not done. But some of us, when we be, just become, want to become intimate with God, then oh, it's hurtful. Why? Because other authority have hurt us sometimes. I want to say as a leader in the church, sorry. And I'm going to end with a testimony. This one lady, some of you have heard this at SOS. This is praying for this one lady. I got a word for her that her mother is going to drink tea with her. And this lady started to cry. And I thought like, wow, this is amazing. The Lord is speaking. And at the end of this prophecy, this lady um, said to me, um, I'm not crying because your word was so accurate. I'm crying because my mother died uh, a couple of years ago. So there's no way we're going to drink. I'm going to drink tea with her. You know? And so I'm standing there. And I'm thinking like, oh, machantas. I have missed this prophecy wholesale 100%. Now, I, I try to swing it around by saying, no, no, you're going to drink tea in heaven or something. I, but then I realize whatever I'm going to say now, it's going to just fail more. It's just going to be more petrol on the fire. So all I did, I said to this lady, she was about 33 years old, 35. I said, did you know what? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Just a human. I'm very sorry. I, I probably just was bit in her flesh or I don't know maybe it was a word for somebody else the next moment this lady starts to break down she just weeps uncontrollably and then she started to tell me the story she said to me my father was a leader in the church and one of the other leaders in the church physically abused me and molested me when I was small and when my parents found out what started to happen is they didn't do anything about it. They just said I must be quiet and just started to wipe it under the carpet. And from that moment on, 
I started to hate any person in authority. I had this deep root of rebellion because I had to do it on my own. I was vowing to myself, I will never make myself vulnerable again to other people and especially not to leaders. And today, you made a major mistake and you were the first leader that I've ever encountered that said he was sorry. And that brought so much healing to me because I realized there's hope. And I thought like, wow, Lord. There's so many people that walk with so much hurt, but the reason why the devil does that stuff is because he wants to rob us from this beautiful unity and agreement of celebrating each other, of imparting to each other, of releasing each other, of praying for each other, of laying hands on each other in a safe environment and say, hey, I'm dreaming big for you. I'm believing for you. Will you believe for me? And we don't get that in church anymore. Why? Because we are hurt. We're broken. But God is restoring it. It is so beautiful. And that's why if you want to be a leader, you have to be a shepherd. You have to be a servant leader. Lay down your life for others. That's what Jesus did. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.